Zandom. 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 Okay. Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's October 18, 2009. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination, episode 140. This is no agenda. Preparing for the final pages of the prophecy. And coming to you from the minimum security containment cell in Gitmo Nation West, San Francisco, California, in the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Cloudy Bay, Northern Silicon Valley, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Sorry. Sounds like it blew up. Yeah, overmodulated a bit. A little, little too much excitement. So just before the show, sh- show, and uh, I don't even think we were streaming, I said to John, I said, hey man, if we move to three days a week, should we do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to kind of split it up? And you said something really, really profound, John. It wasn't profound. <laughs> For a lot of people, this show is church. <laughs> Brothers and sisters. In the morning. <coughs> Put your hand on your iPod and feel the truth. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's interesting. And we just got <laughs> we just got a, a great review. Although I haven't read it entirely, so I, it could be a shitty review, and I just think it's a good review. Well, before you give us that that little piece of info, I want to uh, announce our today's executive producer. Yes, this is kind of weird. He and by the way, he just got in under the wire by like uh, forty nine cents. Really? Sh- yeah, Shane Brady. Okay. Who I have to say, Shane Brady is our first. I, you're going to be. You're sitting down, right? Uh, yeah. He's our first vegan executive producer ah wait a minute is this our vegan in residence well i don't know if he's in residence or not but he's somewhere he's living somewhere <laughs> no it sounds good you know in silicon valley we have entrepreneur in residence and i think well, i think it's now. cool to have a vegan in residence yeah, in plattsburgh missouri ah well shane right yeah shane cool how, how much did he uh, donate to become uh, this show's executive producer $101.50. Ah, see, there's the trick, right? See, he knew that there was going to be someone with 100 bucks somewhere, so if he came in at a little bit more, and then some, and then some change, he would become the executive producer. I think yeah, he, he just is. Yeah, he barely made it, though, because another guy, Jerry Brace, came in with $101.01. Let me see. Um, let me just check real quick, because I think this is Shane, who, uh, who was, he's, he loves us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. Not, not. Ju- Let me just see. He posted. I think he posted a comment somewhere. Let me see. No, I don't know. You know he's, now, he's, now, we he's, actually did pretty well for the last few days, and I have to say that we could have named our new knight the executive producer, but he's a knight, so he doesn't need that kind of. Uh, and we're gonna and we're gonna do him at the end, right? As it were. As it were. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, we were reviewed in News Geek. Is that is that something that a lot of people read, or I don't know. Probably some people do. Hmm. I thought it was pretty interesting. Uh, just skimming through it, and a link to the uh, review, if you're interested, will be in the show notes at noagendashow.com. Um, where uh, about the third paragraph down, uh, describing this company, basically they—that's you and I, John—despise the media. The U.S. government, all other governments, most scientists, every Fortune 500 company having to do with agriculture or chemistry, and nearly 99% of the Earth's population. 
And that 1% left over is a lot of people. That's a lot of people. These are two of the most cynical and elitist people alive. <laughs> but underneath it all, they are well-bred and well-informed gentlemen. A little vulgarity <laughs> aside. <laughs> who, meanwhile, spread the news as they see it out of a nebulous but real sense of duty and have an agnostic moral code somewhere. You know, this is something for my uh, tombstone. What, you have an agnostic moral code? Somewhere beneath, <laughs> somewhere beneath their intellectual disdain for anything pertaining to organized religion. Which, of course, is the, the funny thing, because this is, our show is organized religion. To some, yes. So, uh, we might as well get to some stories. Well, I wanted to do one that just, just blew me away. In fact, one of our producers who sent me the story... Almost, you know, it said in his uh, in his email, he said, you, it, "This has got to be a joke. This can't be a real news story." Shadow puppet theater. It is uh, a <laughs> yet another uh, new person in the administration. The uh, first COO of SEC enforcement, and as you know, John. Um, the SEC, ever since the Madoff scandal and them, you know, the SEC totally missing this uh, Ponzi scheme, of course, the there's biggest been a, in history. Yeah, there's been a huge. Well, it's not quite as big as Social Security, but okay, it's the biggest in history that has been called one. Um, so the SEC has had to overhaul everything, and they need to bring in some people who can really get the job done. So I, <laughs> yeah, we can see this coming. Yeah, a mile away, here it we? comes, everybody. <laughs> uh, Associated Press reports: uh, Goldman Sachs executive has been named the first chief operating officer of the Securities and Exchange Commission's Enforcement Division. That's like putting the hamburger in a hamburglar in charge of McDonald's security. <laughs> Adam Storch, vice. In fact, that's probably the best. Uh, uh, yeah, that analogy probably is very accurate. Uh, Adam Storch, vice president at Goldman Sachs Business Intelligence Group, which I think is uh, isn't that like a? And oh, forget it. That's scary. Yeah, that's what it is. Acronym, it's probably one of those big. guys in one of those one of those fixers, <laughs> one of those guys behind the scenes, like in the uh, you know the, the the Adam what's a Clayton movie that who's Michael Clayton that kind of person or the guys who were in the background of that uh, Trading Places movie with Eddie Murphy that were doing these the, the dirty deal right right the, right, uh, right deep throat kind of guy yeah I love the acronym Big B I G. So he will become uh, the managing executive of the SEC's Division of Enforcement. Mm. The move came as the SEC has been revamping its enforcement efforts following the agency's failure to uncover Bernard Madoff's massive fraud scheme for nearly two decades, or as they say in Gitmo Nation East, decades, despite numerous red flags. Um, he will report to Enforcement Director Robert Kuzami, who I didn't even know... Uh, I wonder who that guy is. He's probably... Uh, I've heard of him. Yeah. Let me see if there's a quote from someone. That's usually pretty funny if they talk about how he's just perfect for the job. Here it is. Storch has a strong background in technology systems and project management, Kuzami said in a statement. Quote, he will help to make us more efficient and nimble and permit us to put more of our inv investigators on the front lines to detect and stop fraud. Yeah, why don't you start with that Goldman Sachs uh, high-volume trading program? Why don't you start there and uh, 
take that out of commission and then we'll really believe you're going to do something. Yeah, there you go. Flash trading, make it illegal. It's no real, it's just an obvious scam. Uh, but, you know, the, the, by the way, I've always been annoyed by, you know, the news business has required over the years this kind of balanced, you know, kind of reporting. So they always throw these gratuitous quotes in. Did you get a quote from the, and the, I can just hear the oh, editor. Oh, but it's from the press release, John. Yeah, it's, I know, it's the press release the press put them in. They put them yeah. in because they know otherwise, you know, they won't get run. They had, so the press releases are written by these same people. These editor types that have to put the quote in, so they put these bogus quotes in. And the fact that anybody runs them, it should be you know like a, it should be a two paragraph thing in a picture of the guy. Yeah. Kuzami most recently served as general counsel for the Americas at Deutsche Bank AG. Of course. All right, don't get me started. Yeah, well, the the whole a lot of the media runs on uh, on press releases. Well, nowadays, it's, it's almost like that's all they do. Yeah, because it, it, it's easy. It's spoon-fed. They don't have, no one has to do any investigative work. You can have an intern copy and paste it right into the teleprompter, and you're done. They'll even, you know, they even give you a little EPK, electronic press kit, so you get, so you get all, your, uh, all your either sound bites or video clips, and, you, and, you, and you've got news. Yeah. That's just pretty much the way it is. And, you know, the public doesn't care. <laughs> no, no, we don't. I watched uh, last night, well, two things. I, first, we went to the movies, went to see uh, Where the Wild Things Are. Uh, no. Or Where the Wild Things Live, what is it called? Mm -hmm. it's a very cute movie. Cute, well, a chick flick. You're, you're being no, 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 no. It's no, no. It's not a chick flick. It's actually a PG uh, movie. It's actually for kids. It's a, it's a very cute story. But man, Saturday night at the movies. I haven't been to a movie on Saturday night in a long time, and it's just not a good idea. There's just people laughing and snoring and making noise, and and someone had their kid there at ten thirty, you know, and the kid's like running up and down the aisles, and she's trying, and the mother's trying to keep her quiet by rattling keys. What the hell is that all about? Like, she's like a monkey. Yeah, really. Take your monk, take your hairy monkey kid, and get the frick out of the theater, lady. Man, oh man, oh man. No, I'm not gonna do that again. No, don't no, skip movie by, theaters on Saturday nights. It's not fun. By the way, just, just it just brings up a point. I'm going to so just an aside. This has got nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about. Nothing with anything. But I got I was uh, up at uh, Leo's doing the Twitch show some weeks ago, and he's got a huge box of PG tips that he doesn't know where they came from. Somebody bought them somewhere, but they're PG tips in individually wrapped packages. Yeah, and they're tea bags. No, that that can't be. Yeah. No, no, no. That's against the law. And so it's so this little. I'll bring you one. So it's a huh. tea bag, and it says. Uh, but on the back, it's weird. I swear to God, I'm going to read exactly what it says. So it has an actual string attached to, to this to the triangle with a, pouch with a tag. With a tag. Uh, it's made for the American market. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, we're idiots. Apparently, we can't deal with the pyramid bag. How do I get it out? <laughs> uh, don't tell, don't make me use a spoon. <laughs> Okay, here in the back it says it says the following. 
And I, I'm just wondering if they wrote this as a joke or they wrote it because no, they know nobody's ever going to read it. To prepare the best cup of PG tips, brewing methods may vary, but we suggest, one, use one bag per 200 milliliters of freshly boiled water, which in the cases isn't for the American market because they get milliliters. Two, allow your customer – this may be something from restaurants – allow your customer – to brew to their preferred strengths one to two minutes as a guide, then remove the tea bag. Three, always use fresh milk where possible, and there you have it, a delicious brew fit for a monkey. No, it doesn't say that. I swear to God, it says that. (laughs) A brew fit for a monkey? That's what it says. I'll bring you the bag and you're going (laughs) to... That's nuts. It's totally nuts. Uh, well, it is made for the U.S. market. There's proof right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, you might be right. It's like, if you're reading this, you are a monkey. <laughs> I, I can't believe you're reading this PG Tips pyramid bag with a string. Ah, that's so wrong. Staying in Gitmo Nation East. I'm, I'm sure this, uh, this one flew around the Internet. I haven't been checking all of the virality of stories, but uh, Harrods now se- uh, selling gold bars in London. Yeah, we ran that one on the blog. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. What, did, what yeah. was the closing price? Like, are we still around a thousand fifty? No, I think the, it's around. I think it's around ten seventy. Ten seventy now. Oh, fantastic! Well, you know that somebody pointed out to me. If you all you have to do is go look at the charts. If you would have invested not in gold. Oh, here it comes. Well, you, in in uh, pharmaceutical companies. No, no, I'm talking about. Precious, quote unquote, metal. Uh-huh. If you'd not invested in gold and you'd invested in lead, oh yeah, you would have doubled your money. How about copper? Well, copper goes up and down; it's a little more risky. Lead has been taking a strong, straight up boom, boom, boom. So, what is it about lead? What do we use lead for? Batteries, Except bullets. Batteries. <laughs> I thought yeah, that was batteries and bullets. bullets. That's what we, use, we use depleted uranium. <laughs> Oh, for for our bullets, yes, yes, we do. Yeah, we don't fool yeah. around. Yeah, we don't mess around with lead, please. That's pussy stuff. Yeah, du. That's what you need. Um, I, I'm holding back on all the swine flu stuff because it's just so much of it, and it's actually new and interesting. Or there's interesting twists and things taking place. But I was watching Bill Maher last night on the <laughs> uh, the repeat. It was his last show of uh, of the season, I guess. Yeah, I don't know why they cut the show off when they do, and it doesn't make a lot of sense well, to me. Well, Mickey said something interesting. She said she doesn't think he's coming back. And I I had to think about it for a second, but I, I think I concur. And he, and I don't know if you saw the show, but he it was so bad. It was He was so stuck. And he's and he and I think what's happened is oh he was he was ra- he was a ra- everybody the show was taken over by the uh, by the guests. Well, his he almost had a problem that I've I've had in the past. He was so stuck on uh, Obama uh, not getting out of Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, being uh, vehemently against swine flu. I don't think his audience is connecting anymore with him. Well, the swine flu thing is interesting because he, uh, but you know, he's kind of a, a, a he has a he has a lot of interesting uh, uh, bigotry built into his style, and his thing about the vaccines is, I mean, he's almost to the point. Like my doctor, when I was we, we talked about this on a previous show, he said he thinks the public public is over vaccinated. Yeah, and he says that, and which has its 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 bad elements. He, he says. 
he says he never advised people not to get vaccinated. He says, and then he says polio is a good example. That's something you don't want, you know, floating yeah, around. Yeah, but but this is this is the thing that they use over and over again. People are, you know, anyone who I talk to talk uh, talk to about not getting a swine flu uh, vaccine. You know, they really get, if, if they're really vehement about it, it's like, well, you know, we'd have polio, and you don't think that vaccine technology no, no, has no, improved in 30 yeah, years? That's, that, well, that's, yeah, that's fine and dandy, but the point is, the point I'm trying to make is that there probably are a few things you should, it would be nice to be vaccinated against. But Mara, I don't believe, even thinks you should be vaccinated for polio or smallpox or anything. It, it, um, is that the way he came across? That's the way we came across to me. Hmm. Maybe a little bit, but I don't know. But regardless, I, I, what I'm feeling is he's not connecting with his audience, mainly with his audience there who's sitting there, who, you know, who just want to be everything, yay, Obama, and boo, Republicans. And boy, Mar, he, he loves to, he's very bigoted about um, special needs people. Everyone he doesn't like is a special needs person, basically an invalid or retarded and, and that's that's pretty bigoted as well, you know. You can talk about race all you want, but let's let's ease off on the slamming special needs kids, okay? I don't know. I, I he may be, you know. I don't see them dropping the show because they they. HBO no, 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 no. Too- I, don't, I don't think it's a question of dropping the show. I think he may not want to come back. Oh, mm-hmm. that, that's what I think. Well, well he was uh, 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 a little bit sedate. Yeah. And uh, the, the 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 guests were funnier than he was. Yeah, a little discombobulated. And yeah, the show was a little yeah. was a little it, disjointed. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a good finishing show, no. that's for sure. No, it was not. Let's just stay on the, the vaccines for a second. Um, well, then play the swine flu minute. No, it's not. It's not the swine flu. It's uh, you saw this. The uh, oh, Food and Drug Administration go. has finally done it. Has approved Gardasil to prevent well. Of course, Gardasil is um, the uh, HPV vaccine, the human papillomavirus, so that uh, young girls do not get cervical cancer. And guess what? It turns out if you give boys this shot, they also don't get cervical cancer. It's amazing. (laughs) It's an amazing discovery. It's astonishing. No, so this stuff now apparently prevents genital warts in in men and boys. Yeah, and, so uh, go get a vaccine against genital warts because people are dropping like flies. Yeah, for They're bo- dying in droves <laughs> from genital warts. Oh, how, it's a plague. <laughs> how about wrapping that sucker? Parents, why don't you teach your kids, 9 through 26, I might add, what kid at 9 gets genital warts? <laughs> show me that kid. <laughs> Let, Actually, he can don't. Repl- <laughs> he can replace me on the show. <laughs> oh, God. my God. Uh, yeah, so the FDA has now approved this. If this, yeah, do, if, this does, if this does not prove... Merck. Merck trying to double their money on yeah. this stuff. If this does not prove that this is only about money, I mean, it's so clear. The financial industry has hijacked the United States. The war industry has hijacked the United States. And now, and of course, that is what the entire health care bill is all about. They're really going for the jugular. They're going to take over everything. And we don't give a shit. We're just taking it all. Kaboom. Well, you know, like you said, you pointed this out the uh, show many, many shows ago that the that the UK, the public at the U, in the UK have been the testing ground for government abuse. Yeah. Oh, and, and they love it. 
just to see how much they could put up with. And it's like, I'm sure that if I, if you're in the government or you're Tony Blair, you must be shaking your head saying, wow, these <laughs> well, guys will put up with anything. Well, I'm, I'm glad you bring that up because uh, there's been a lot of talk about Tony Blair. Of course, we know now that uh, he is poised to become the president of Europe uh, once the... Um, the the Lisbon Treaty has been ratified. One one little state left, the Czech Republic, and and I think the uh, is it the Prime Minister or the President? I think it's a President of the Czech Republic. I think he's he's like waiting for his black bag to show up or something. He'll he'll sign it, obviously. Um, but you know, it's so weird to have Tony Blair all of a sudden kind of you know pop up onto the scene after. And didn't he leave in disgrace? Wasn't he kicked out effectively by Gordon Brown? Didn't you know? Wasn't it like uh, you're no good? You've screwed everything up. Then he yeah. leaves. He converts to Catholicism, and now the plan unfolds according to. Why does he convert to Catholicism well, no. at his age? And by the way, the Anglican it, Church and the Catholic Church are pretty much the same. It's the same style of church. It's the same uh, belief structure. There's the differences are, are uh, over time are, are negligible. No, well, it's very important, John. You must know that, of course, after he converted to Catholicism, he uh, was blessed by the Pope in some secret, you know, ceremony. Uh, do we have that? Do we know that for sure? Well, you know, we had there are reports on. I have to look them up. We did talk about this. I'll have to look it up. It, this was uh, uh, when did he convert? Like more than a year ago. So I'll have to, have to figure it out. But the theory is that this is all part of the prophecy, the Bible prophecy, which is the 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 Roman Empire and how. What the is this guy reading? Too much Dan Brown. No, listen, listen. So uh, you've got to hear Jimmy DeYoung, who was an evangelist. Uh, and uh, a link to um, his whole story, and he has a great website, which is Prophecy Today, Examining cur Current Events in the Light of God's Prophetic Word. Listen to uh, a little bit from uh, Jimmy's show. Now, with Tony Blair's comments that there could be a peace deal between Israel and the Palestinians within the year, the peace process seems to be moving towards a deal. This scenario is really a page out of Bible prophecy. The ancient Jewish prophet Daniel wrote of the revival of the old Roman Empire, which would be led by a world leader powerful enough to put this peace deal together. The prophecy of the revived Roman Empire, Daniel 7, verses 7 and 24, could well be fulfilled in the near future, the infrastructure actually is in place. That's the European Union. The world leader that comes from that political powerhouse, Daniel 7, verses 8 and 24, could be the permanent president that is called for in the European Union's Lisbon Treaty. Daniel 9:27 does reveal this world leader will bring peace to the Middle East. We're saved! You know, this stilted style of preaching, which uh, this guy obviously employs, and uh, the, the, probably one of the best at this is uh, Robert Tilton. Uh, 
Hmm. It seems to be, uh, and also there's other people that employ it. I, th- it's, I think there's something. It's mind control. Hit. It's mind control. Yeah, there's a mind control yeah. aspect to it because it's got a, a, a pace that the brain is like you're, you know, he's not saying, he's not speaking in sentences. He's speaking in words. <laughs> It sounds like uh, almost like my Mac is translating something from uh, from a text <laughs> document. <laughs> uh, Tony Blair will be the president of the world. Well, the uh, the premise is um, Daniel nine twenty seven, which reveals the world leader known by twenty seven different names, but best known as the Antichrist. And he will indeed establish peace between Israel and her Arab Muslim neighbors with a peace agreement. I think uh, if anybody's the Antichrist, I think Blair could be. It's, it's not bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of people who, uh, who read the Bible. You know, I've, I've heard it sold just a little bit more than uh, Atlas Shrugged last year. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's quite possible that people believe this. Can we get a show in? I knew I did. Yeah, was you, you know I'd slip it in. That guy's pretty good, though. I like, so, I like uh, listening to him. <laughs> this guy, this preacher? Yeah. yeah it's interesting. What's yeah, his I, name? Is Jimmy DeYoung. Jimmy DeYoung, yeah. I like the I like the long-legged Obama guy better. But <laughs> he's more lively. The black preachers have got they have a cadence too, which which is oh, yeah. more Well, Obama more, sometimes uh, tries to get into that cadence. It's more ryth- rhythmic. Yes. The uh the these other t- types, these Robert Tilton types that that and they, by the way, th- those guys typically will speak in tongues. And uh, another fine cool- biblical reference. Yeah, well, they, you know, the biblical reference to tongues is quite interesting. I was actually going to write about this one time, and just one of my many projects that I just said is too much work. But uh, if you start looking at the different translations of the Bible, they, they actually, uh, the Bible actually gets translated a lot, and, and it gets, tran- it oft, oftentimes gets translated in a way that reflects trends within the society. Yeah, current trends. Get, of course. As of people course. get smarter, the Bible gets smarter. As people get dumber, the Bible gets dumber. And they they have a whole slew of translations that just came out recently that you can't actually access online because they're all copyrighted. And there and there are a whole bunch of them that are essentially designed with the evangelicals in mind and is written specifically for them. And he, and if you read that interpretation of the Bible compared to just any just about anything written before, it's like they have rewritten the Bible. Right, and uh, the Daniel nine twenty seven would be interesting. To, I'll, I'll look at at the different translations of that. And just, oh, yeah, curious. please get back to me on that, will you? I will. I'll come back. With have, a, have a read of that Bible and get back to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to bring this one up again, uh, particularly since you scoffed at me when I first. Uh, started talking about Verichip and uh, the RFID capabilities, and uh, then this commercial shows up. Uh, for the uh, medical uh, chip, which, of course, we all need to have embedded inside our bodies. To think something so small can connect you to everything that matters. When your life and all you love are on the line. Elflink is always with you when every second counts in the emergency room. Providing immediate access to your medical records. Now, I realize it doesn't really work if you don't see the visuals. This is what uh, a crock of crap. Well, what well, do you mean when every second counts in the emergency room? They they make you wait. John, listen. I'm, I'm going to take you to healthlinkinfo.com, which starts off with a video from a doctor. Of course, have a listen to what they're really selling. 
Hi, I'm Dr. James Provo, a practicing emergency physician. I'm the doctor who sees you. A practicing emergency physician. Does that mean he's a nurse? When you come into the ER. And I have over 15 years of experience treating patients who find themselves in a medical emergency. Being in an emergency room can be a scary experience. Patients are often anxious and confused, and it's difficult to give accurate answers to the many questions that we ask you that provide us with essential information for your care. According to the Institute of Medicine, over 98,000 people a year in the United States die due to medical errors. You know, I really love these die statistics I keep hearing. Did you know, John, that every day 122 people die because they don't have health care? Healthcare insurance, that is. Everyone, yeah, everyone has a number dying for, for other reasons. Yeah, they're dying because they're sick, not because they don't have insurance. You know, they may have they may have cancer, which is pretty much incurable. Still, your healthcare insurance is not going to save you. You're still going to die. And this is like, yo, did you know people die because they didn't have a, a, a what we used to call a codicil? Is that what it's called, codicil? I don't know. Yeah, there used to be these bracelets, and the bracelet would contain your medical information. You'd wear the bracelet. Oh. It was huge back in... yeah, back in the I day in Europe, certainly, you know, you had different, you know, you had like big manly bracelets and it had your medical information in it. You know, if you, and if you have a medical condition, then you should carry something like that around with you. But the idea of uh, embedding a uh, a very chip RFID chip into your body with the information centrally stored where we can always access it, which I believe is going to be... Uh, Chris Mack was at the office the other day and I was talking to him, the big health health 2.0 conference is being held in the bay area and uh, this is what it's all about it's all about uh, google health and uh, and microsoft medicine or whatever they're calling their version of it storing all of your shit with microsoft uh, by the way the guys who can't even keep your 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 t-mobile information safe or backed up and uh, and you know now they're really pushing for for Everybody being chipped. And this is often caused by a lack of information about a patient's history or personal health record. HealthLink solves this problem by providing emergency physicians access to your vital medical information through a secure online database. (laughs) Hey, John. A secure online database. Isn't that a dichotomy in terms right there? It's ridiculous. This allows us to treat you quickly, accurately, and safely during an quickly, emergency. Quickly, they make you wait. <laughs> Hold on a second. Windows is still booting up. I welcome you to explore this website to learn more about how HealthLink can link you and your personal health records. There you go. I didn't scoff you or scoff. I wasn't scoffing. No, you did a while back. You certainly did. Anyway, it never happens. And that's not my style. You should look at this healthlinkinfo.com. It's like every single picture has someone holding up the chip, the little chip between their forefinger and their thumb, the little chip. Yeah, people are going to actually, if they do it right, they can convince people that they should be chipped. Well, this has been going on for a long time. The, well, the, they're just trying a different approach. This sounds like a, the one that might work. Uh, I would recommend against it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea, friends. For real. All right, what you got? I'm just full of stories today. Well, I want to do the thing, you know, the, the, I, this is the most baffling sto- story that's floating around. Jon Stewart played it up on the Comedy Central show. And uh, it's, a, it's L. Franken, who actually looks like he might turn out to be a decent senator because he's very, you know, studious. 
And he doesn't joke around. He's not funny anymore, apparently. No, he's not. Which is kind of the drawback. But at the same time, he knows he can't be. So he's dead serious about everything. And he keeps coming up with stuff. So he came up with this simple uh, amendment uh, to a bill that would require that any U.S. contractor uh, cease making employees, women in particular, sign away their rights against suing the company if they're gang raped. So let me just get this right. So there are U.S. companies who make female employees sign a waiver that if they're gang raped, which of course is so much more pleasurable than a singular rape, they then cannot sue the company? Is that what you're saying? That this actually exists today? Yeah, in fact, it turns out that uh, Halliburton is one of the biggest proponents of using this uh, little document. But uh, the sound, if I, I read a bunch of articles on it, it looks like Boeing and all these big international companies that are in the U.S. It, use this. It's, a, it's like a dummies contract. And these people, you're, you have to sign this because we, you know, we can't, you know, we're going to Iraq and God knows what these guys are going to do to you over there. So you better sign this thing because we don't wow. want to get sued. And so this has seemed pretty bogus to him. And so he said, this has got to go. And, and before I get too much into this complaint of mine, I am still completely baffled by the fact that we have a U.S. Constitution and people are signing contracts, and I would say a non-disclosure agreement, which is commonly signed by the media, by the way, and I refuse to sign it, sign one, uh, common, commonly signed by the media, really takes away your First Amendment rights. And many times, if you work for a company, you'll sign one of these things as a condition of employment, and you might not be able to talk about anything you did at that company for a period of time, which is outlined typically in the non-disclosure which agreement, is, which, which means, is restriction of uh, freedom of speech, is what you're saying. Which is restriction of freedom of speech, and you talk to me, well, you know, contracts have this contract, 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 and I'm thinking the more I see this now, that apparently you're getting right, you sign away your right to to not be raped, and, <laughs> and oh, now you can rape me, no problem, sign away. So. Uh, I'm thinking, why don't, doesn't somebody test this in, in court by having somebody sign away their freedom uh, in ter- and, and become an indentured s- a slave? Sign away, get a document, sign it up, so make it all legal and sign it saying, I am now a slave to so-and-so, and reintroduce slavery in the country because that's exactly where this leads. Yeah. But – I don't know how 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 this can be maintained. Now, to the the real complaint here is that so they take a vote on which seems to be like a simple thing. Yeah, it you seems, seems pretty logical. It's like no, that's not a good idea. You shouldn't. Not be, a good should. idea. We don't want it. So thirty Republicans vote against it. Vote against it. <laughs> In other words, they're you know the the rape Republicans, the pro rape Republicans. It's an embarrassment now that I ever be, was a member of the Republican Party with the fact that we have thirty Republicans that are pro rape. Now, awesome. They all have, and by the way, I'm going to name them. They all Good. have uh, some bull. Bullshit excuse. Oh, well, you know, if you read between the lines, it would, oh, it's going to hurt. Our, you know, there's all these little kind of now, 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 although these guys will sign off on anything else. But they got they got reasons for not going along with this one, not to mention the fact that they don't want to do it. You know, it's embarrassing that Al Franken f- discovered it. But that's beside the point. So they all vote no being a bunch of pro-rape jerks. And and the thing is, politically, what kind of stupidity – this is what gets me more than anything. How dumb 
does a senator have to be to show up on this list as as being for rape? Well, you, of course, make the mistake that this would actually be discussed in mainstream news at all, John. I mean, oh, it's, th- it's going to get discussed no, because when no. they have your elections. Oh, please. Balloon well, Boy. Th- Balloon Boy is more important than this. Give me a break. Let me just read the names for you people out there who have these people working for you. Alexander, Republican of Tennessee, Barrasso, Wyoming, Bond, M- Missouri, Brownback, Kansas, Bunning, Kentucky, Burr, North Carolina, Chambliss, Georgia, Coburn, Oklahoma, Cochran, Mississippi. By the way, all you churchgoers in Mississippi, you think, are you for rape? <laughs> Corker, Tennessee, Cornyn, Texas, another rape state. Crapo, perfect name, Idaho. Dement, South Carolina, Ensign, Nevada. <laughs> Enzi, Wyoming, Lindsey Graham, South Carolina do-gooder. He's pro-rape, and you're re-electing him? Greg, New Hampshire, Inhofe, Oklahoma, Issachon, Georgia. Both guys from Georgia, by the way. Good religious state. Johans, Nebraska, Kyle, Arizona. McCain, the guy who would be president, is pro-rape. McConnell, Kentucky, Rich Roberts... Sessions from Alabama and Shelby from Alabama, both religious states, and they have these guys pro-rape, Thune, Vitter, and Weicker. I'm glad you bring this up, John. I think think we really need to stay on top of this, and I'd like to hear some of these excuses that these uh, rape Republicans are using. No no Democrat voted against, right? Only Only 30 Republicans? 30, the 30 rape Republicans, yes. There's two not voting. Sorry? No one else. That was, that was, that was the total. That was it. The that, was it. that was the only nays. It was 68 to 30 to 2. Shall we listen to um, play a little bit of this bit? Is that the. Is it so yeah, worth play it? a little bit of. of Madam uh, President. Senator from Minnesota. Thank you. Madam President, the amendment I offer today is inspired by the courageous story of a young woman who has dedicated four years of her life to make sure that no other women, woman lives through her nightmare. This is the story we did actually discuss months ago, John, when she uh, blew the whistle. Right. That's that's what started it all off. That's how Al Franken discovered it. Four years ago, at the age of 19, Ms. Jamie Lee Jones signed a contract to become an employee of KBR, then a Halliburton subsidiary. That contract contained a clause which required her to arbitrate any future dispute against her employer. This means it forced her to give up her right to seek redress in court if she was wronged. At the time, Ms. Jones had no idea what implications this seemingly innocuous fine print clause would have. Okay, so I'm already starting to understand how the, how this is working. So it's not specifically if you're raped, but it's any dispute with your employer will be arbitraged versus going to court, which has been something that's been standard in contracts for a long, long, long time. And it's a huge scam because then you get, you know, you, an arbitrage is done with lawyers, essentially, and then it's just whoever has the biggest pocketbook will basically win. Right, but in this case, what it's, you know, what... Typically, you deal with when it comes to arbitration are, 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 are employee disputes. It's not about illegal activity or, 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 or you know, where you good get point. killed. No, good point. Good point. And, and by the way, there's all kinds of shit going on with KBR because these are the same guys who have built defective showers 
where many, many, I'm talking scores, as in 12 score, scores of uh, servicemen and women and also contractors have been electrocuted due to faulty wiring. They're out there taking a shower in the desert. And I've, I've taken a shower in one of these, um, uh, one of these uh, field shower facilities. It's basically like a big uh, rubber sleeping bag that's hanging up. And they have a whole bunch of actually like body bags when you think about it. It's kind of kind of nasty, and you get in there, you zip it up, and then you turn the shower on. So that's you know like an instant uh, cubicle, and uh, but it's very wet, you know, and you <laughs> and you're uh, and there's no bottom to it. It basically is all uh, goes through wooden rafters and then is probably repurposed. God knows what happens there. Uh, but there's wiring all over these camps, and uh, these poor boys and girls have been electrocuted to death in the shower. Due to faulty KBR work, and none of this has really come to the uh, to the forefront uh, as well. Probably due to the same type of clause in their contract. Yeah. Well, let's let's listen a little bit more. It is, it is pretty interesting. Ms. Jones arrived in Iraq in July of 2005. Immediately, she complained to supervisors about the hostile conditions imposed by KBR. She was constantly being harassed by her male colleagues and was housed in barracks with 400 men and only a few women. Her pleas for safer housing were ignored. Four days after her arrival, Ms. Jones was drugged and gang raped. She requested medical attention and a doctor administered a rape kit. Parts of that rape kit have since mysteriously disappeared. After Ms. Jones reported the rape to her supervisors, she was locked in a shipping container huh. with an armed guard and prohibited any contact with the outside world. Yeah, this, this actually makes me sick to my stomach. I can't listen to it. Well, I'll put it in the show notes. Listen, uh, listen to yourself. Yeah, and uh, you can also listen to the senators that you have representing you that seem to be oblivious to this sort of thing and, I guess, encourage it. Now I know that there's you know there's probably some crazy rationale for voting no. You know, I'm sure you could rationalize and I'm sure McCain has a great excuse. Well, this and that, you know. <laughs> I like raping chicks. It ain't that reason enough. So anyway, but that's what it amounts to. I, I just found the whole thing disgusting. It is. It, it really I'm sitting here listening to Frank and uh who by the way I have my doubts about, but it doesn't matter. This is a. It's just. It's nauseating, is what it is. Nauseating. Hey, thanks for bumming me out, Buzzkill. Hey, that's what I do. Good job. Yeah, you're right on your game today. <laughs> uh, wasn't uh, our friend Vivek Kundra? He, well, didn't he um, run uh, Virginia's technology? It was, well, he had something. Him and Chopra, those two guys had something to do with it. Yeah, wasn't he like the the CTO of Virginia before he became the CIO like of these United States? I looked at States? his bio; never, none of it was accurate. Anyway, <laughs> who knows what he really did? He was a C of something. Uh, October thirteenth reports the Washington Post: a scathing legislative audit released Tuesday shows Virginia's outsourcing of a massive. Here it comes, John. Two billion dollar computer upgrade. That's some that's some RAM you're getting right there, man. Two billion dollars. <laughs> that's an upgrade. A two billion dollar computer upgrade has been so troubled that core government services have been disrupted. 
And the canceling the contract could cost the state hundreds of millions of dollars more. You know, this has Vivek's fingerprints all over it, doesn't it? Well, not only that, but there's also his pal Anish Chopra, yes, who uh, who somebody sent me a whole bunch because I'm looking into him. Uh, apparently, he was like the the king of outsourcing stuff to India. Mm. You know, if there's any chance of getting some work for his buddies back in Bombay, back he was all over yeah. it. Yeah. Well, this uh, this work was done by North Northrop Grumman, which might might outsource as well. It wouldn't surprise me. This is so typical. Uh, and you see this all over the world. Uh, we saw this happen in the United Kingdom with their uh, computerization of the National Healthcare Service, which has been, which has cost billion. I think it's five billion pounds, basically, to create an Oracle database of everyone's shit and make it accessible with like uh, an HTTPD server. I mean, you know, I'm 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 making it sound simple, but please. Uh, and it's just creating classes of uh, insurance codes. It can't be that difficult. And you know, no, that's what computers are good for. And 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 what happens is you get these jabronis who are, I think, just either on the take or whatever. They certainly don't know really what they're talking about. They've never done an implementation themselves. They've never led any kind of huge scale effort. And they give these big contracts, and you know, they're just and they're subcontracted and subcontracted again. And let's face it, you know, the companies like uh, Northrop Grumman, it, it, it behooves them to keep on going. To keep the contract running and run into more problems and be able to up the ante. And they just keep on going and it costs the taxpayers billions of dollars. And I would say that Kundra and Chopra are two of these guys that do that shit. By the way, they're running the country's technology right now. Into the ground. <sighs> That's my prediction. Two billion dollars. Yeah, well, it's like the $18 million website. No, no, no. Two billion dollars is a little different. Well, I know. I'm just saying it's... it's no, no, pretty... it's, it's different. I'm okay. sorry. It is just different. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, I'm just... What can I say? I mean, I don't understand how these guys get these contracts. And, of course, you know, it's got, like... You get, once they get the contract, you made them half pregnant. And so you, they have to keep going. So it ends up costing twice as much or more. They'll probably end up walking away with $5 billion. Let's talk about a little bit more cost. What do you think, John, uh, it costs per gallon of gas for our uh, armed services in Afghanistan? And I'm ta- not just talking about the actual uh, price that we have to pay uh, Mohammed at the pump there in, uh, in the province, but uh, the security, uh, secure facilities. Now, what are you talking about, Iraq or Afghanistan? Afghanistan, Afghanistan. So what? Now you're asking me, what does it cost to per gallon to, a, 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 for per, the U, per, for the U.S. For, so this is all part of the contract. Oh, wait, services. wait, wait. Okay, wait. Well, you're okay. I'm just trying to make it yes. simple. Okay, you're gonna give me a number that is. You're going to take a soldier, and you're going to tell me how many gallons of gasoline does it take to get him over there? To no, keep no, him no, over no, there? no, 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 no. You're you're doing it the wrong way. To put one gallon of gasoline into a, a vehicle in Afghanistan, uh, 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 a military vehicle. Oh, okay. Okay, 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 wait, wait, wait. So, and I'll, I'll give you the parameters, okay? So it's transport, security for, um, uh, secure, for secure locations. Yeah. Uh, that's about it. It's really okay, for, so it's really for transport and security. 
So what you're going to do is tell me what essentially, what the actual number is, what it cost for a soldier to use a gallon of gas yes, yes. in so far as what it takes to get the gas over there, what it takes to store it, what it takes all yes. of what are they, what are, in other words, what is the taxpayer yes. paying yes. for this one gallon of gas? Yes. Give us the number. $400. No, that's bullshit. <laughs> well, the thehill.com, which I, I like reading The Hill, they, they do some pretty good work, John. And, uh, and they've, uh, they've calculated this uh, based upon Pentagon officials who told the House Appropriations Defense Subcommittee that a gallon of fuel cost the military about $400. It's a num- ripped off. It's a number we were not aware of, and it's worrisome, says John Murtha. <laughs> it's they worrisome. Get pipelines running all over <laughs> Afghanistan. Just tap one of them. When I heard that figure from the Defense Department, we started looking into it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that an idea? Oh, man. So this is the government's own this number. This Pent- calculation yeah. done by some uh, Some journalist. crackpots, yeah. It's the Pentagon. Hmm. Well, they are seems of course, high. Crackpots. Yeah, well, maybe it's maybe they're lowballing it. Just <laughs> it could be much more. It's actually, twelve hundred. That is so outrageous. Can we lowball it anymore? <laughs> no, we can't really get it below four hundred. That's, re- that's really it. Four hundred bucks a gallon. They don't have any oil in Afghanistan, do they? They just got mountains and shit. Well, I know, but they have pipelines that go through Afghanistan. All the Unical stuff does. Which is, well, that's part of the reason we're in Afghanistan. It's for, yeah, uh, yeah. for ocean for sure. and, uh, and for oil pipelines. Yeah. It's, it's a very important pipeline. Yeah, that's what they say. So, um, that was another th- interesting thing about the Mars show. They got into the uh, Afghanistan thing. And it's interesting to note that you have people like uh, Alec Baldwin, who yeah. is a radical Democrat, Who's essentially pro? He's pro war, and that's really interesting because he came on and I said, "Oh, I like I like Alec Baldwin because he's anti-war." And I'm like, "Huh? What happened here?" All of a sudden, he's like, "Yeah, we should be kicking Al Qaeda's ass. We should go into Pakistan. We should go into Somalia. We should go." I'm like, "Wait a minute. Where's Alec Baldwin? And what did you do with my this friend?" This is what happens when the Democrats <laughs> get in office. You know, the Democratic Party now represents the richest people in America. That's now flipped. The Republicans are no longer the rich people. It's the Democrats. This was in USA Today two weeks ago. Yeah, well, that they, you know, then they want to keep it that way. So, uh, so they want to. So this is typical. I mean, they're all oh, let's get out of there. We got to vote them in, and we'll get out of here. We will get out of there. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they get in, and they. This is what happened during the Vietnam era. God, you know, we no one knows about this. You're old enough to know, and that's not a slam. I mean, you are you're old enough to know. And does is this not not exactly a triangle? Uh, <laughs> yeah, is it's it exactly the, the same? Is it the way you it have went? one guy? You know, they first they stick get their toes wet, and then the next thing you know, you get a. Uh, I mean, it started with Eisenhower, the the Republican, and he just didn't want to have too much to do with it. And then Kennedy comes in, and then he's you know kind of like starts the ball rolling, and then they hire you know then they you know there's some anti-war stuff beginning, and they put in Lyndon Johnson, who just goes nuts and sends you know half a million people over there, and then they all this anti-war stuff comes up, and so they so the Democrats have to kill two of their own, and uh, you know Bobby Kennedy is one of the one of them, and they. It, it just it, it, so they can't put a peace candidate up, and they finally eight get eight years after the Oops. 9/11 attacks, some in the U.S. Sorry. are not convinced they have been told. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. 
who's that British woman in your house? <laughs> anyway, so the point is, is that the, uh, the it took Nixon to get us out. Give me a break. Yeah, really? Yeah. The problem is we can't just extricate ourselves. Well, of course we can. All we have to do is say stop, enough, done. But the reason why is because no one, this is what, you know, they're talking about, oh, yeah, we're there for Al-Qaeda, we're there for the Taliban. Bullshit. Bullshit. You know, the thing that bugs me is that we're always giving the Asian countries a bad time because, oh, you can't get them to do anything, and you can't say anything, you can't do anything, because they always feel they're going to lose face. They're going to lose face. But we're the worst at this. We, 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 oh, let's do it. We're in. We're stuck here. Let's pretend that we're here for some reason, and then we'll try to figure some bogus way to get out of this mess. We can't just walk out, apparently. Well, of we course we, in. of course we could. It's that easy, and we could fix health care and everything else along with it. This yeah, is, no, we could. What we could just walk out and say, "Look, bye." Yeah, see you, see you later. You know, and we and okay, raise the raise the shields. Okay, you know, if you want to stop terrorists from coming in, you go. Lord knows our TSA is doing a fine job. So the TSA stole some woman's baby. I know, I know. I, I've been, you know, I, I. Actually, research that the conversation we had last show about uh, the laptop bag. It is true uh, that they do allow, although they won't they won't endorse any particular manufacturer. But if you have a, a laptop sleeve, so one of these, I have the crunch uh, the crunch scrunchy bag, whatever it is. You are allowed by the TSA to leave that in. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to print that page out and have it with me. In fact, I'll probably put it inside the sleeve of the laptop bag. Uh, so if it goes through and they don't get a clear picture of your computer, they can, it, uh, this is according to the TSA's own, we own website, they can then put it through again if they want or ask you to open it up. But I'm going to put it in, in the bin, in the sleeve, and if someone from the TSA starts bitching at me before it goes to the x-ray machine, I'm going to whip out my, my website piece of paper. I'm going to shove it in their face. Yeah, you do that. <laughs> and then I and then I'm gonna play this jingle. I'm gonna say, "Hey, you TSA agent, listen up, boy." Our formula is this: we go out, we hit people in the mouth, and I'll be calling you from Gitmo. Yeah, well, <laughs> make sure you go do only do this when you're gonna be uh, when you're really early for a flight. Uh, you know, and you have time to stand around. I'm an American. I, I really, I just can't help myself. I really, really can't. So this, uh, that, that British woman that, who you heard, this is just something I wanted to, to play briefly because uh, something that obviously was underreported was um, New Yorkers are trying to get a reopening of the 9-11 investigation into a referendum in New York. And I think they had 80,000 signatures. I'm not quite sure what the requirement is, um, but they had 80,000 signatures, and the Supreme Court said, nope, not going to do it. Really? Yeah, you want to hear the report briefly? The whole Here truth about that day. Around 80,000 campaigners have called for a referendum on a new investigation into the tragedy, but America's Supreme Court has ruled it out. Archie's Marina Bartnaya reports from New York. The demands have been heard, but the call to action silenced. New York State Supreme Court has refused a referendum on having a new 9-11 investigation. The initiative, supported by 80,000 voters, would have appeared on November's mayoral ballot. 
NYC Can, a coalition of victims' relatives, survivors, and rescue workers, led the referendum campaign. Why didn't our fighter pilots intercept the planes? Why was my uncle's crime scene tampered with? Why did the military lie to the 9-11 Commission? The group accuses the 9-11 Commission of failing to answer 70% of questions proposed by family members. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole report. Hmm. I think 80,000 should be enough, would, would you think at least? I don't know what the what the deal is. It may be an uh, an unconstitutional in terms of the New York Constitution, an unconstitutional request. I have no idea. Well, it does give me a reason to play this jingle again. WTC seven won't go away. <laughs> it won't. But it did go away. Oh, <laughs> it went away <laughs> in six seconds. It was amazing. <laughs> it, it's it's amazing how that happened. Um, you know, they, they've never come up with a, an adequate explanation for WT7, WTC7. No, of course not. It got not. dinged, apparently. No, the, well, the, the only true explanation was uh, it housed uh, SEC documentation, uh, i.e. all of the scandals going on on Wall Street. It housed <laughs> the CIA documentation, Pentagon information, the day before, uh, September 10th, Donald Rumsfeld on record saying, yeah, we've misplaced about $2 trillion. We're not quite sure where it went. Well, the information was in WTC7. Uh, oh, damn, crap. We were going we to look into that $2 trillion. Yeah, it, it, here's the background. It goes like this. Okay, here comes the second plan. What is, what is it doing hitting? It's supposed to be hitting WTC7. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, let me see if I can... Uh find that Rumsfeld uh, video. It's always fun to... Because people hear us say this stuff and they're like, yeah, 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 right, right. Uh, Here it is, Rumsfeld. Uh, It's a YouTube clip. It's actually $2.3 trillion, I think. Oh, you cannot be played here. What the hell is that? Give me a YouTube clip, people. Here we go. It's all happening live. Or, or dead, as it were. <laughs> no, it's going to play. This is like a video of a video of a video of CBS News. Pentagon. The day before 911, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld declared war. Not on foreign terrorists. The adversary is closer to home. It's the Pentagon bureaucracy. He said money wasted by the military poses a serious threat. In fact, it could be said that it's a matter of life and death. Rumsfeld promised change, but the next day, the world changed. Oh, shit. And in the rush to fund the war on this terrorism, isn't, this isn't the, quote, the war I don't on think. waste seems to have been forgotten. Where's this quote? My O3 budget. Ah, shit. It's a, I'll find it and play it next week. Yeah, here it is. Admits to losing. Oh, it's three point two or two point three. It's worth it. I, 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 people need to hear this shit. All right, we'll go. Yeah, well, dude, I'm doing this live with like. Uh, oh, this is not going to be the world change. Ah, screw it. All right, same one. I'll find it. So maybe if I just scroll ahead. Sorry about this. I was unpre. Yeah, really, I was unprepared. Uh, well, we'll find it. I'll find it and I'll uh, put it in the show notes. But he literally says, "Yeah, there was uh, like uh, two point three, uh, either two point three or three point two trillion dollars. Uh, we can't find it." And the next day, the very place where that information is stored, 
without a plane hitting it, actually just disintegrates. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing, I tell you. The uh, financial services agency from the United Kingdom um, and the, wait a minute, is this the FSA and the FSB, the Financial Stability Board, have, uh, they're just coming out and saying it now, something we've been talking about on this show for quite a while. Uh, the G20 has asked uh, the body, the G20 body, to coordinate global efforts to introduce new financial rules that will be global because we need global financial regulation. This is how the central banks are going to come together and, uh, and own us more than they already do. They're just coming out and saying it now. They are. And another um, report about little Timmy Geithner, that would be our Secretary uh, of the Treasury, and this is a Bloomberg report, some of the Treasury Secretary's closest aides, none of whom face Senate confirmation, earned millions of dollars a year working for Goldman Sachs, Citigroup, and other Wall Street firms. So here's how it works. The Secretary of the Treasury has advisors, one of them, Gene Sperling, who last year earned $887,727 from uh, Goldman Sachs. Alan, uh, no, Lee Sachs, another top advisor, reported more than $3 million in salary and partnership income from Mariner Investment Group. All of these guys, and you should look at all the names here, they advise this guy. They're in the meetings. They know exactly what's going to happen, and they, and they place their bets based upon it. Sure. What could be better than that? <laughs> Nothing, but it's, it makes me want to cry. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do about this. I guess we're going to have to wait till 2012, but then there's no, who's going to be the next president? I'm thinking uh, it could be crazy enough that Rush, Rush Limbaugh becomes president. <laughs> I, I think, you know, why not? It's like we've had every other type of actor. It's time for a radio guy to get in there. <laughs> Put a radio guy radio. in. Put a radio guy in. I'm telling you, it will be fantastic. All right, I think it's uh, about time, John. No agenda, swine flu minute. All right. We just have to do it. You, there's just no two ways around it because uh, now everything's being shipped. I received a CDC news brief, which, of course, is diligently copied by every uh, media outlet uh, in uh, certainly in the country, probably around the world, they've got key flu indicators. Visits to doctors for influenza-like illnesses continued to increase in the past week. Total influenza hospitalization rates for laboratory-confirmed flu are climbing higher than expected for this time of year. The proportion the proportion of deaths attributed to pneumonia and influenza, based on the 122 cities report, has increased and exceeds what is normally expected this time of year. 41 states are reporting widespread influenza activity at this time. Widespread, John. I don't know what that really? means. What is widespread? It means it's everywhere. It's everywhere. There's a map. They got a cool map where it's just widespread. Amongst uh, almost all of the influenza viruses identified so far are 2009 H1N1. And we've been waiting for this. This one just came in today. It's something that we noticed uh, happening in, uh, in Asia uh, half a year ago. But finally, 
we have identified the first pigs in the United States who have swine flu. Finally, a pig has the swine flu. It's about time. And this may a actually... Pig? It, three pigs. Minnesota State Fair. Three pigs tested positive in late August for H1N1, the flu virus that is causing the current pandemic. Interesting. How does that work? You know, a farmer says, Oh, Bessie don't look too good. I think I should test her for the swine flu. It doesn't make any sense. There's something uh, here. The virus does not seem to make pigs very sick. So how did he, why did he test them for, for swine flu if the pigs weren't sick? It doesn't make any sense. The story's bogus. Well, it's the New York Times, so it's, well, a, it's a plant. It. It's a plant. Yeah, it's a plant, obviously. But why are they trying to go after the pork business? Well, because you know this is you know we saw this before, right? We saw a bunch of these. You know, it was actually it was either the New York Times or one of these other uh, New York-based uh, publishing companies that had that that uh, slideshow, and I sent you a copy of it. And it was uh, swine flu around the world, and it was yeah. mostly people with pigs. Yeah. They were showing people, and so, so, so the public, because, you know, they tried to make it associative by calling it the swine flu. It came from a pig farm, supposedly, or something like that in Mexico for some unknown reason. And so they keep using swine flu, and everybody, oh, no, it should be the Mexican flu. And then, of course, the Muslims were upset about, oh, we can't even talk, say the word swine. It's just against our religion. And so that got everybody all bent. Oh, God, what are we going to do now? We can't make this association. Is somebody putting the screws to the pork industry? It has has to be something like that, John. It has to be. Is there like, you know, you pork guys have not been coughing up enough money. This is like, is this like an extortion? Scheme? Yeah. Officials at many state fairs this year are worried that people would infect pigs. What are they doing with their pigs? How do you infect the pig? Come here, Bessie. Hey, Bessie, come over here. Uh, infect pigs that reports of infected pigs would create a scare that would harm the pork industry. Okay, there it is. Even though there's no risk of infection from eating cooked meat. So it's probably intended to do exactly that, is to to, uh, affect the pork industry. And one concern about animals harboring the virus is the possibility that viruses will change as they move back and forth between species, perhaps by mixing with other viruses. What are we doing with our pigs? Look, don't go kissing a pig, okay? It's that simple. Stay away. Maybe this it may, could this be like a Muslim thing, John, or a, uh, maybe it's a it's a Jewish thing. We got to get rid of pigs. Are we going to be culling pigs next? That's what we did with the avian with the avian flu. We killed billions of birds around the world. I mean, culled. Is that what this is about? Are we going to start killing pigs next? I don't know. The whole thing is as sketchy. Yeah, maybe you're calling pigs. That would be great. I bet you it's going to happen. Well, I'm looking at the pork industry woes. There's been a bunch of... It started in 98. And uh, it's apparently the industry has been on a down on a decline. It's possible just the opposite might be going on, which is that if if they did have a pork... Cull. Let's say I'm a pork farmer. Hog industry woes of 1998. I'm looking at a marketing policy briefing paper. Uh, sudden and severe economic storm hit the pork industry in 98. It grew increasingly violent and culminated in a tornadic outbreak near the end of the year. Following two years, the highest two-year average hog prices anyway collapsed. Okay, look at something else. Look at something else. Look at the hedges uh, or the put options or whatever it is on pork bellies. I'll bet you that these cocksuckers at Goldman Sachs and uh, 
J.P. Morgan and all these other dudes who are all in commodities like oil and gold, I'll bet you they have huge put contracts out on pork bellies. As in, they make tremendous bank if the if the price goes down. Okay, well, how about this for an idea? Since we don't know how they're going to play the game, uh, let's say we somehow create a panic in the in the industry where they have to kill the porks, the pork pigs, I'm sorry. Yeah. They have to kill a bunch of pigs like they did with the chickens. Oh, it's just a just precautionary, yeah. which will run the price way up, not down. Oh, right, of course, because we have a scarcity. Yeah, supply and demand, you're right. So, that, so that, again, that, and when things go up, they, when they can go up, they can go up like exponentially, and you can make a lot more money than a small collapse, <coughs> which apparently it's already done. So let's take a buy, buy low, sell high scenario. Meanwhile, the farmers are all bent out of shape because they're going to have to kill these their animals. Will end up getting government subsidies, which mm. would be the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then they can go right ahead and they can cut deals with Monsanto and start building fake corn. <laughs> I love it. Once again, and it's, and it's really, it's the industries working together once again, because, of course, the pharmaceutical industry loves it. Well, there's something phony about this farmer that says he has the two or three sick pigs when it says in the report that there's very little, indi- you know, it's just another the little indication. So how, if they're not sick. What are you doing testing them for? If it doesn't make any difference, if they just if they don't even get sick from it. Yeah, there's something wow. phony going on with this pork pork deal. So Florida health officials are drawing up guidelines now that recommend barring patients um, to uh, be able to treat people with swine flu. Guess what? If you have incurable cancer, end-stage multiple sclerosis, or other conditions of similar nature, you'll be barred from being admitted to hospital if the state is overwhelmed by flu cases. Because, of course, we have to save people. That's scary. Hmm. You're just going home because you don't live in Florida. I'm just wondering what the whole thing. There's something. This whole thing is just a. This is a scam. And by the way, I want to mention that this was about a year ago when you're the one when the swine flu thing first cropped up. When they first mentioned H1N1, you said immediately because of the way it was presented right off the bat that it was a scam. Scam. And it's uh, and it, well, the reason why is because we were all over the Gardasil thing, and the Gardasil thing didn't work very well, didn't work uh, universally uh, in every single country. In the Netherlands, I think close to forty percent refused to get the HPV virus uh, inoculation. Um, and you know, a lot of money goes into this, and all of these pharmaceuticals, all of their uh, drugs are running out of patents, so they need something to perpetuate. And who's paying for it? Who do you think is actually paying for this swine flu vaccine? You and I are through our taxes. Governments worldwide have bought this; they have already prepaid. The money is already in the in, it's in the pipeline with the pharmaceuticals. All they have to do now is just deliver and create you know create more. Um, and they can deliver whatever demand. crap they want because they've already been given a free pass on anything that's flawed. Boston Herald, thousands of state inmates will get the coveted, oh, I love this reporting, coveted. They use the word coveted? Coveted, the Boston Herald. Oh, yeah. there's, there you yeah, go. There's, there you there's, go. Your, there's your neutral <laughs> writing. Laura Crimaldi and Hilary Chabot write this article. Thousands of state inmates will get coveted swine flu vaccinations weeks before law-abiding Bay Staters who foot the bill for prisoners. 
They will have a shot at protecting them. A shot at protecting themselves. <laughs> uh, the prison pampering has one lawmaker questioning the convoluted flu preparation. Oh my God! Who, what do they write for? Entertainment Tonight. That's <laughs> terrible. That is just bad. (sighs) Coveted. The sheriff there, uh, Sheriff uh, James V. DiPaola, says it's a perfect breeding ground. He's requested 21,000 doses to inoculate staff, inmates, health, and prison officials. Actually, it is a perfect breeding ground. In fact, the decision is probably a good one if, if there was a problem. Yeah. So um, in Germany, it, meanwhile, uh, I got a lot of respect for the Germans, man. The the you know they they've banned voting machines because they don't trust them, and uh, this was since, we've seen it. They've seen this before. Yeah, they, they've, they've been on the slippery slope. <laughs> they, yeah, they looked at history. They you know they actually teach their kids what went wrong. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, hey, German friends, let's not do that again. We have Carrie in Munich who is uh, actually our 15th female listener. We need a little bell or something. Ding. Uh, Hi, Adam. Someone said that since you've been in the States, there was less overseas info, which I don't find to be true at all. But here is some news from Germany. Oh, thank you. I know you understand German, but anyway, here are some of the highlights that pop out of me. She sends an article from Der Spiegel. Merkel and her cabinet have ordered vaccines without adjuvants. The army will also be getting shots without adjuvants. Speaker of the Bundesinnenministerium, the Ministry of the Interior, says they have ordered 200,000 non-adjuvanted vaccines from Baxter. Whoops. And f- <laughs> well, they didn't get that memo. Well, no, that's, this is what's cool. They've ordered 200,000 non-adjuvanted vaccines from Baxter and 50 million doses from GlaxoSmithKline that do have adjuvants. For yeah. the general population. So the military and apparently Merkel herself will be getting a non-adjuvanted vaccine, but the general population gets yeah, 50 you million doses. Yeah. <laughs> also, those getting non-adjuvant doses are Paul Ehrlich Institute employees, which is a medical institute that is granting access to the German market for vaccines, who last week repeatedly defended the safety of adjuvant-containing vaccines, but they're not going to smoke their own dope. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Let's not do that. I mean, don't we see what's happening, peeps? Don't we see this? And then in New York, there was uh, an actual lawsuit I think there's a, I have a, 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 a audio bite of that. Hold on a second. Uh, you remember we talked about this where um, the uh, the healthcare professionals didn't want to um, get vaccinated, and essentially they were told, "Well, you're fired. Then go home." Uh, let me see if I can. Generally speaking, a lot of healthcare professionals never get vaccinated for anything. They just stay healthy. Yeah, because they're smart. Uh, why can't I find this? Crap. Well, I'm sorry. Okay, well, let's see. You, you, you done with this rant? That, that was actually going to be the... Per- I don't know why I can't find... That was going to be my perfect, uh, my perfect closer. So before we hit the jingle, let me just see if I can find it. Just give me one more second. I'm so sorry about this. I think you should edit this out. Here it is. No, I'm not going to edit that out. That's actual work. Screw this. Screw that. Here it comes. Start the video. Start the video. 
and buyers travel from New York all the way to Florida to bring you back the best Sorry. samples. Sorry, we have a pre-roll. <laughs> Uh, from fxchevy.com. Well, anyway, Supreme Court judge in Albany has granted a temporary restraining order blocking the mandate requiring healthcare workers to receive the seasonal flu and H1N1 vaccines. Good. Yeah, that is good. Uh, Thomas McNamara of Albany granted the temporary restraining order. I'm going to guess it's not going to hold too long. Yeah, no, it won't. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is No Agenda Agenda Recommends uh, Not Taking the Vaccine. Can you uh, hit the uh, real news theme? Because I got one piece of real news that we need to talk about. And now, back to real news. All right, this is just a little side bit here. The BBC has defended a decision to change the ending of nursery rhyme Humpty Dumpty. A version... (laughs) A version used on the CBBS channel was altered. Wait, so rather than wait, all, the, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again, right? They had to change it to all the king's horses made Humpty happy again. What? The broadcaster said the change was made purely for creative reasons, rather than trying to give a soft version of the rhyme for children. Uh, that <laughs> that's your BBC. I don't get it. What? What what is the point? Well, you know, they you don't want to hurt the kids' feelings if they couldn't put Humpty back together again. Now they, but in this way, now he's happy. This is like right out of the Hollywood playbook. Everything has to have a happy ending. <sighs> Labor MP Tom Harris told the Independent on Sunday, "For goodness' sake, obviously children would find it far too violent, distressing, and horrific that Humpty could not be put back together again." My God. Apparently, Little Miss Muffet has also been changed. There was a... a friends with the spider instead of running away. No. <laughs> no, you're kidding me. No, this not, can't be true. Silly. This, is, a, this <laughs> is running... This article is in... You got to please send me that link. The Express. Uh, it's not in the Daily hmm. Mail. Yeah, but the, exp- it's, the Express uh, is not as bad as the Daily Mail. Uh, I, th- I think it's uh, actually the same publisher. <laughs> Seriously, I think it is. Well, it's, it's beside who- the. They apparently have done this. But where do they do it? Just on the on the on the CBBB's channel is where they change. They haven't. I, I mean, did, are they going to pull? Are they going to burn books? So they can change it. Are we going to have like a CD crushing party? We'll have a like we you know like we had to burn records from the seventies. We're going to burn the nursery rhymes with Humpty Dumpty not feeling good. There's there's your clip. You can put it in the show notes. Thank you. Take it for what it's worth. I'm sure you read that uh, leaked memo about. Uh, uh, it's been going around um, about Obama controlling your television set, which, of course, was it's why I didn't even want to discuss it today until this came up. Um, where the National Endowment for the Arts, you know, they're telling people to put certain things into their television shows. Yeah, duh, like we didn't know that. You didn't hear about this, this leaked memo? No, no, I didn't see anything about a leaked memo, which, I, by the way, leaked memos like this always are bogus, but I'm sure this one is too, but it's, it's, I'd be interested. Uh, okay. It may have to be something that we just put into the show notes. Um, but it's, God, I can't believe you had, I mean, of all people leaked 
Wait, a it's uh, it's called uh, Obama controls your television. You can Google it; you'll find it. It's uh, here we go. Big, BigHollywood.com, which of course is the same guy who does Breitbart or whatever. Or he well, is, he's a, just a complete right wing nut. Yeah, but the, the he's I think he really does have this memo. That seems pretty. Uh, All right, I'm looking at John Nolte. He's one of the main guys there. Here it is. September 10th of this year, the Entertainment Industry Foundation posted a press release informing the world that from October 19th to 25, more than 60 network shows will spotlight the power and personal benefits of service. And that this unprecedented block of TV programming is the first wave of a multi-year participate campaign. And this comes right on the... Uh, actually, it's all coordinated because the president, our president, Barack Hussein Obama was in Texas uh, yesterday or two days ago. Uh, of course, he, why would he be in the White House doing any actual work? And he spoke at the uh, President Bush Sr.'s Points of Light Institute. And, man, it's amazing. First, Obama's there like, you know, Bush is fantastic, he's awesome. And you know, this, is like, this is part of the whole... Um, you will uh, serve your country vibe that was, you know, really a part of the Obama campaign. Yeah, since you can't find work. Yeah, yeah, essentially. But it's it was just kind of weird to have, you know, have Obama really propping Bush and Bush propping Obama. Ideally, storylines will touch on one or more of the key issues. That, of course, we've been doing this with Law and Order and some of the shows we, we, we've been deconstructing, On if you listen to us. Ideally, storylines will touch on one or more of the key issues that have out that have outlined that have outlined it's not even this was is written by somebody in india that have outlined as the country's priorities for services well somebody obviously can't write one education and children that's you got through education well, throw, the, throw the children in there and health and well-being environmental conservation and reduced energy consumption that's the trinity of course the obama's trinity has always been education health and, and environment and energy energy yeah education, health, and energy. He keeps pounding those three points home. That's his main thing. And, you know, the funny thing was, the way he's handling it, if he had not done this this bullshit crap and trade and tried to do this health care thing, which is blowing up in his face, and gone after education as his number one priority, the guy would be coasting right now. Yeah. But, but but we no, know that in fact education is getting the short end of it. Yeah. Anyway, the number five. He's got the other the other two. Number four is economic development and financial security, which was one of his sub points that he's used a few times. And then support for military families, which is obviously something to do with the, you know increasing the war. So uh, that's the themes we'll be looking for in uh, future and upcoming everything episode. in everything in everything in every you see everywhere. Let's listen to a little bit of uh, the president's speech at the points. By the way. When Bush Sr., Walker Bush, uh, Herbert Walker Bush, when he did his points, a thousand points of light speech, the guy was ridiculed. Totally, especially by the Democrats. Completely. Like, what a bonehead. You know, and, and, and now, <laughs> exactly. And now Obama is talking about a galactic universe of lights. Oh, it's okay now then. <laughs> and her experience there inspired her to devote her own life. Uh, it to turns out others. that uh, Michelle actually worked for the points of lights. Institution. Uh, there you go. Instructed to convey her gratitude uh, today as well. It was a funny speech, by the way. He what? He had good jokes. He's funny. Yeah. But he's got writers. Here, here, here it is. George Bush isn't just a president who promoted the ethic of service long before it was fashionable. 
He's a citizen whose life has embodied that ethic. From his daring service as a Navy pilot during World War II, enlisting the day he turned 18, to his time in Congress, at the CIA, and as UN Ambassador, Vice President, and President, he easily could have chosen a life of comfort and privilege. Yeah. And instead, no, no, he didn't choose that at all. <laughs> time and again, when offered a chance to serve, he seized it. It was second nature to him, the continuation of a proud family tradition that he and Mrs. Bush clearly passed on to their children. Yeah, and it started with Prescott Bush's grandfather financing the Nazis, a fine family tradition. Grandchildren. Yeah. And one which he's carried on throughout his quote unquote retirement. How's that working out, uh, Ms. Bush? He's funny. Yeah, he's funny. And by the way, I, I love it when he gives you information and then cracks a joke. That's when the information is soaked up by you. You know, that's, that's like a basic NLP Vulcan mind trick right there. <laughs> Spends it working tirelessly to help others without fanfare or any expectation or desire for recognition. Though I do recall one endeavor of his that actually drew quite a bit of attention. That was back in 2005. And some of you may remember this. He and President Clinton had agreed to come together to right, raise... That was the tsunami victim. So anyway, so this whole thing is preparing us uh, th basically through media indoctrination. So all, all your favorite shows will include... And, and I, I enlist our producers. I hereby enlist our producers. We do a lot of work, but even we can't cover this. We will not be able to do the work because it's just too much. You've got to get your DVRs on. You've got to be watching your favorite shows and watch for the clues. We've showed it to you many, many times how it works on Law & Order, CSI. Um, what's your other favorite show, John? Well, I mean, Law & Order and CSI is where I've seen most of this sort of thing. The, the show I like watching them. I mean, one of the shows that I will actually watch consistently is NCIS. Oh, NCIS, right. And right, CIS, right. of course, not CIA, but NCIS is, but I haven't, the propaganda in there, uh, the, the elements of propaganda have eluded me. Well, it's got to be starting right now. There is, this is coordinated. The memo came out. It's going to be between the 16th and the 25th of October. The speech was on the 16th, so this started uh, exactly on time. So in the coming two weeks, is it also Sweeps Week, by the way? Could it be the best, uh, no, it's not sweeps, is it? No, I don't no. think so. Um, it's going to be happening right now. Stay tuned to it. Uh, be aware and record it if you can and let us know because you will see this popping up all over the place. And it really shows that this is a continuation of really, uh, well, not just what um, what uh, 40, what do they call them, 41, uh, what, Pre what uh, Bush Sr. did. Yeah, with his thousand. Yeah, he he really started the uh, the you will service. You will uh, well essentially. You will obey. These are the <laughs> it's the brown shirts. It's the whole deal. It's all coming together right on plan, right on schedule. By the way, people always ask me what I use to record stuff like this off the air. I want to give them some tips on what to do. Uh, the the device, if you want to get a, I mean, you can get actually. Uh, there's a couple. iRiver has a pretty good device, but the device that you want to own, everybody, and I wish, you know, and this is not a commercial. We're not getting paid for this endorsement, but you want to get a Zoom H2, and a Zoom H2 is essentially a wave recorder. also records MP3s directly, and... Um, 
It's a wave recorder, and it has a, and you can essentially take your uh, audio out from whatever device you're coming through. Yeah, sometimes exactly right often. In. There's usually an extra a couple of ports in the back, but find one of the audio ports, or get. Sometimes you might have to get a a left right splitter. There's a it's a little RCA plug that's stereo, a mini stereo plug on one side, and then it's got two RCA jacks on the back that plug into the the left and right channel. That goes right into the H2, and you get a nice little stereo copy of the whatever you want to record. And also, the thing has four mics in it, so you can take this device and not plug anything into it, but use it as a recorder. With, with the microphones, and you can actually go to a concert, a rock band, you can put it right in the middle, you can do uh, interviews with people. It's one of the finest devices ever produced, and they're very inexpensive. They're around 150 bucks at the most. And uh, that's what, and you can send us clips. Please do. Because even the amount of work we put into the show, we just can't cover all of it. But you're going to be seeing it. You're real, and, and it's painful. It's painful to have to watch this stuff. It really is. And we do it. We do it. We give up family time. John, John doesn't even live with his family. That's how dedicated he is to the show. You don't. You don't live with your family. And you know My what, John is... is well, your family doesn't want to live with you. I know. I mean, it's kind of there the same go, thing. Now you got it. But uh, no, but he, John in particular, he, he spends a lot of his time watching this crap, fast-forwarding through... Uh, well, I think NC, NCIS he actually likes... Uh, fast forwarding through stuff, we watch C-SPAN all the time. Now C-SPAN three, where all the cool stuff is. And yeah, we, I haven't actually gotten into C-SPAN three yet. And uh, we're we're happy. We're uh, we're we're proud to bring you this stuff. We love the interaction. We loved your feedback. Uh, reading email is. I spend at least an hour a day just on no agenda email. Just no agenda by itself. Would you? Uh, well, how about you, John? Wouldn't you say it's about that much? Uh, probably more. Yeah. And we don't take any advertising because, of course, that would screw up the whole idea of media well, assassination. Well, not that, but, you know, people have, could, somebody called and sent us a note condemning us, saying, well, you still, you work for media and they take advertising, and he went on with this kind of, <laughs> look, the fact of the matter is we don't take advertising for a lot of different reasons. One of them is because we don't want the influence, A, and it's separate from anything else we're doing, and we don't want the interruptions. If you listen to radio, if you oh. listen to Rush Limbaugh, oh, it's, you, it's you 20 minutes of it. Rush Limbaugh and 40 minutes of advertising. I mean, give me a break. Break. It really is. Radio is the worst. They don't even do the uh, you know the the right ratios. It's almost all yak yak, and it goes on forever. I mean, you switch from channel to channel; they're on the same clock, so there's nothing but ads. And look and look at cable look at cable news as an example. And they can even like Glenn Beck is against the pharmaceutical industry. Let's take a break. Boom! There's another ad from the pharmaceutical industry. So you got to question this shit. And I don't want anyone questioning us. So we have some donors. How how's that uh, that free Honda you got, John? That scooter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Let's uh, let's thank people who make this show possible. Daniel Scott, Fort Worth, Texas, eighty four dollars and nineteen cents. You have any idea what that means? Eighty four nineteen. I didn't see a note from him. No. No, okay, Jim Lunsford, on behalf of the Gitmo Nation Roundtable dot com. 
Yeah, I, I got to listen to their show again. I, I I dropped out for a couple of weeks just due to time constraints. But it's stupid because you know I'm on the plane. I want to listen to something, and I completely forgot to to hit my uh, my podcast downloader and get the latest show. Those guys do a pretty good job. It's very interesting. And when we get the radio stream really configured, which I'm hoping will be in the next couple of weeks, we haven't chosen a stream manager yet. John, I'm looking at you. Hi. Um, but I'm I, I think the, avoiding my family. Yeah, <laughs> not that hard. I think the uh, I think the Gitmo Nation Roundtable will be a fine uh, addition to our our family of programming that we're putting together. It's good. It's cool. Gitmo Nation Roundtable dot dot com. Fifty dollars and one cent. Simon Smith, Nor- North Yorkshire. You getting some UK people? Good. Shane Brady, the vegan. Who, who writes out vegan? He says, pronounce it right. Because I always say vegan. Yeah, he was our executive producer. Yeah, Plattsburgh, Missouri, 150. So is he our, Lo- he's our vegan in residence now? I guess so. Okay. He can tell us what's going on with uh, veggie burgers. <laughs> and veggies in general, John. Have you had your veggies today? Yeah, I had my veggies, uh, fermented uh, potatoes uh, that have been distilled into a clear liquid drink. Uh, Laurie Corpy, I hope that's right, Laurie, L-A-R-I, Corpy, from Helsinki, Finland. Cool. Uh, John Petricini, who I think is a, 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 a just, I think this is a night thing, so he's got another 50. Louis Grana. From Lausanne, Switzerland. Lausanne. 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 That was Lausanne. I think it's Lausanne. Lausanne. I think maybe that's where the Dutch pronounce it. Yes, probably. That's 50. Jerry Brace, the guy who came in second here from Newfoundland, and he wants us to... Oh, this is... I didn't get the pun at first, but he runs a company called Embraceware.com. $101.01. And his net last name is Brace. Get it? Ah, Embraceware. Got it. Sterling Ellsworth again, again, yet again. Santa Bar Santa Barbara seven seven dot seven seven. Ah, guy. he's getting close. He's. I love that. <laughs> I love close. it. <laughs> he's gonna. We have to count the number of sevens. Well, he can only do that seven times. He can do seven times a donation of seven 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 seven. And he then can do seventy seven times. He could. He might. Well, you never know. <laughs> I don't care. I love it. Thank loaded. you. Thank you the so name's much. Sterling, you must have money. <laughs> uh, he's a Sterling fellow. Mm. Sander Hoxbergen. Hoxberger. Uh, that's probably right. Seventy dollars. He how says do you spell it's it? how do you spell it? H O K S B E R G E N is the yeah. way I have it. Hoxbergen. Yeah, Hoxbergen. He's Dutch. Ho- yeah, he is Dutch. He's from Zandam. Z A A N D A M. Zandam. Zandom. 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 Okay. It's 50 cents a show, he says. That's $70. So people out there, you want to give us 50 cents a show for all the shows we've done, that's uh, 70 bucks. And uh, and then uh, Asher Golden, if that's indeed his real name or her real name. I think it's a man, maybe. Annandale, Virginia, $50.29, which also has some meaning, and I didn't get it. And then, of course, our East Coast uh, research guy, and we have to give him the big kudos this week, and uh, uh, he owns the show. Uh, $850 <laughs> on top of his previous donation, Kerry uh, Lutz. And that, is that our makes knight. him uh, a knight. Is, uh, this is our, how many knights do we now have? 
And he asked me to read a proclamation as a part of his uh, knighthood. Now, this is going to be, I can see this being the the main thing that's going to happen. I was thinking maybe I should do a little bit of echo. Would that be if you can idea? put it, if you can pull it off. Yeah, I can do it. Hold on, let me just find my uh, my echo chamber here. Um, okay, one, two, two. Hey, oh, why is it not working? Of, of course. Oh, that's density. I was doing the wrong thing here. Dry, wet. Uh, 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 two, 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 two. One, two, two. How's that sound? Sounds like nothing. <laughs> no, I got some real delay in there. Maybe I can do. I don't hear ah, it. Ah, here we go. Oh, there we go. <laughs> now we're talking. <clears throat> On this day of October 18th, 2009, I, Adam Curry, and John C. Dvorak do hereby elevate Kerry Lutz by virtue of his tithe to the Knights of the Round Table of the No Agenda Quango. While standing against the forces of corruption, governmental theft, and the erosion of the United States Constitution, the Knights fight a never ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way as well as defending the rights of the masses to consume unlimited amounts of online porn, to attend strip clubs, to patronize hookers, to watch too much daytime television and Michael Jackson videos. The Knights have taken the Ayn Rand pledge to pursue all enemies of capitalism and to persecute the advocates of collectivism no matter how high their perch. There is room at the round table for other would-be Knights you only have to log on to your PayPal account and click and send $1,000 and you too can take your rightful place at the helm of leading edge thought and commentary. Nobility awaits you. You should have paid us by the hour. Yeah, really. This has been a long ass show in general. Well, we got to make sure to mention that the people should go to noagendashow.com or yep. dvorak.org slash NA, yep. and uh, we need another round of donations. And if somebody else wants to become a knight, we'll read something. Let's not make it that long. And uh, maybe we should <laughs> have an official. I liked Now i got to get the you echo just like off. the echo. Yeah, you I just do. like hearing your own voice. <laughs> yes. Well, isn't that why we do the show in the first place, John, is just to hear our own voice? Well, you listen to the show more than I do. Uh, anyway, noagendashow.com. Please help us out. We appreciate everybody. And all the people who subscribe to the $5 rate, too. We really appreciate that. And uh, and, and a lot of people, of course, give less than uh, 50 or 100 And we really appreciate all of you. I mean, it's, it's pain for the, keeping the show on the, on, on the air, for sure. And uh, we'd like to go to three shows a week. And we would like to get your feedback on whether Monday, Wednesday, and Friday would be acceptable. Or if you really do feel the Sunday show is... Uh is a part of the church that you need to attend for your sanity and sanctity. I think it's better than the NFL church. Coming to you from the minimum containment cell, which is securely located in the Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation, West San Francisco, California, I'm Adam Curry. And from Cloudy Bay, or it appears to be so, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back here right on time, on schedule, on Thursday with another episode of No Agenda.